welcome to Beautiful Possibility, the creative process journal of Jillian Jacob Kieser. That's me. I created this for all stuck, hopeful, and aspiring creatives everywhere. You are not alone. The truth is, perfectionism grabbed me sometime in adolescence and halted my creative journey for many years. Today, my desire to create is stronger than my fear. So I created this podcast as my day-to-day account of getting unstuck and into motion. In this audio journal, I'll take you along on my process of unblocking and relearning how to find joy, courage, and fulfillment in creating. I always say the only place to start is exactly where you are. So let's begin. Hi, loves. Today I've got a really special interview for you. Bianca Levan is one of my oldest friends. I've known her since I first was in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've watched her journey unfold for many, many, many years, very, very slowly. And I think you're going to love this interview. I think you're going to love what she has to say about the creative process, especially those kind of rocky beginning moments where you feel compelled to make something. You have a creative impulse, but you don't know what form it should take, where it should go, what medium you want to work in, what your work's about. All those big questions that I think a lot of us feel like we need to answer before we get started. And Bianca is an absolutely beautiful living example of quite the opposite, which is true, which is that you have to start in order to find the answers. And she's someone who's absolutely encountered her answers as she's been in motion and in process through her creative journey. One thing I wanted to share with you is Bianca and I were chatting before we hit record. She said that some of the questions I had sent over things like, you know, how did you start your process? What is your art about? What do you do? What do you make? She said they were really hard for her to think about answering. Um, and that, you know, she felt a little bit you know, she wanted to do a great job at at being interviewed. And I said, I love that you don't know the answers. Like, I love that those are unknowns for you. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to be able to share. So with her permission, I'm sharing that with you right now that no matter where you are on your journey, you don't have to have a canned answer for what you do. You don't need an elevator pitch. You don't need a three word response for what kind of art you make or what it's about or what questions it answers. That is all part of the process of becoming. That is sort of the meta work around the work of being an artist. So with that, I really hope you'll enjoy this interview. I loved producing this. This is, like I said, one of the most emotional and touching interviews that I've had the pleasure of doing. So I hope you love it just as much as I did. Enjoy. Hello. Today we are super lucky to have a friend that I've known for a really long time and have had the pleasure of watching her creative journey unfold over many years. She's a self-taught paper cut artist, which is an absolutely unbelievably beautiful art form, in my opinion. And once you see her work, you will fall in love with it. And you will fall in love with her once you hear her voice. This is Bianca Lee Van. Bianca, welcome to Beautiful Possibility. Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. You are 
I'll give you I'll give the folks my side of the story because it's my show. <laughs> but I want I really want to hear your story. But from from my vantage point, I've known you for over 10 years and seen you very, very slowly build this creative life for yourself. Like it really felt like that from my vantage point that you made a concerted effort to bring art into your life from a place where like you really didn't know where to start. And I've loved watching your process of starting from that openness, that ambiguity, and like just taking one step in front of the other of what felt right at the moment. And that has worked out so beautifully for you. And you've been such an inspiration to me, honestly, why I'm so happy to have you on the show, because I think that that strength is so important um, in this journey that is you're not living out a story that's already written. You're really creating it for yourself. And each of us has to do that for ourselves. So with that, I'd love to hear from you. Tell us a little bit about your creative journey, how you started and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I think the creative journey for me has been incredibly nonlinear. I didn't start off um, as a kid just wanting to be an artist and just like doing everything I can to be an artist. Um, in fact, I would say like sort of in my childhood and, and, um, with the parents that I had, I, I think the, even the idea of having, being an artist as a career wasn't quite, um, even on the radar as something I could do. But I remember as a kid, just, you know, taking tissue boxes or just whatever was around the house and building these sort of elaborate floor plans for, for Barbie or whatever. And just, being so engrossed in that process and getting lost in that, um, even spending more time doing that than playing with the doll, right? And just, uh, yeah, just having that early experience of getting lost in something. And I think for me, the creative journey or sort of like my pathway to finding paper cutting has always been just a desire to, I think, have a form of like self-expression or just to, to find something that, that really felt, um, like I was able to clearly I'm, I can't do it through words, but yeah, just, just a drive for <laughs> expression. <laughs> and, uh, so, I mean, through my, uh, like childhood and teens and early adulthood, I, um, music was a big part of that. I played piano and guitar and tried to write some terrible songs. And then I tried my hand at writing and, you know, wrote some poetry and some uh, short stories, also not great. And then, <laughs> you know, even tried some watercolor, some acrylic painting, also not so great. You've, oh my gosh. You're yeah. so funny. So you've always been like pushing to get this out. Like, I think a lot of people have it like very dormant, but it sounds like for you, like it was always right at the surface trying to find the right like window to pop out of almost. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think I sort of was a pretty lonely kid. And so I think there was a way in which, yeah, just wanting to find an outlet to to share about what my internal world was. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it was really important. And uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, just that drive for self-expression really, I think was the underlying thing for everything. And I remember in um, 
going back to the story, in 2011, going to like a San Francisco open studios for the first time. And it was just like, you know, a big building with like three floors of just art, art studios. And um, I had never seen anything like it. And just, I think being in that building and walking around and seeing like, the wooden floors with like paint splattered on them or just like the sheer density of art and artists was like so intoxicating for me. And I was like, Oh my, like what is even this place? Like, and just feeling like I needed to be there really, or just wanted sort of that feeling of community of people um, creating, I guess. And so Later that year in 2011, without any sort of dedicated art practice or art medium, I started renting like a a two wall cubicle art studio. You know, I think about sort of that young person trying to like build spaces and like kind of me later in my 20s, basically like creating this space or not creating it, but just like carving out this space of um, that I could explore things or just sort of like have as my own little like secret you know like creative spot I Um, love that part of the story so much B that I don't know if you recognize the bravery that it took and like the deep honoring of your intuition that some voice inside you was like go to this place make yourself a little home here and you're like I don't know what I'm gonna do I don't make anything and the voice was just like just go what did it tell you? Like, you'll figure it out. Like it just be there and soak up the vibes. Like, what was it? What was it saying to you? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if I remember what it was saying to me. I just knew that it almost wasn't even saying anything except like, go get a place. And I was like, okay. And I think I was also at a point where I was working full time and um, just really like needing needing something else like to do on the evenings or weekends or something like that. Like it was a, it was a time in which I feel like just going out. I'd like, I needed more. I don't know. That no, makes that makes sense. sense. That totally makes sense. You're, I mean, you get something different from the process, engaging in the process of creation than you do from going out for drinks or whatever, you know, drinks are great. Yeah. Friends are great. Yeah. But there was something else you were looking for, which is makes oh, yeah. sense to me. How did you find paper cut art? <laughs> So in paper cut art, so 2011 was like a really uh, packed year, I guess, for like, as far as a transition time in my life, I mean, getting the art studio, um, some personal things, but also later in 2011, I was actually um, with our friend Whitney at Green Apple Books in uh, San Francisco. And it was sort of before dinner drinks or something we were having. And I remember just wandering around the aisles and um, seeing like a light blue book with a white paper cutting on it. And so I remember just picking it up off the shelf. It was like an end cap or something and um, thumbing through the pages. And it was a um, collection of contemporary paper cut artists that was actually put out by Chronicle, um, which is also a San Francisco based company. It's a very like San Francisco centric art story. But I remember just like looking at all the the artwork in there and being like, holy, like, oh my God, (laughs) like what is like, it was just so beautiful. And I had never, I mean, I feel like I said this about studio, but I had never seen anything like it. Like it really just was something that was so beautiful. And I think just 
imagining that it just came from a piece of paper was also just very, um, I don't know, not miraculous, but I was just like, it was just astounding to me. And so that must have sort of read in some way because I didn't get the book for myself that day, but Whitney had actually given it to me as a gift for my birthday a few weeks later. Oh my God, how sweet. Wow, good job. And so I think there must have been something in me standing there staring at the book that, you know, just translated, I guess, in my amazement or something. I don't know. But um, I was then at the studio in early 2012 and decided to give it a try. So I had a box cutter and just like a paper bag. And so that was my first paper cut. And it was really crude and it like almost doesn't even matter what it was about. But I remember when I was done with it, just thinking that like, oh, there's something more here and like wanting to instantly turn around and create another one and get better materials. And it was really the first time that like, whatever I had imagined or wanted to create was like pretty close to what the final product was. And that for me, I think was just really thrilling and freeing. And especially in that journey of like, trying to find those mediums where I could do that. It was, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was a great feeling. And so that was actually like 10 years ago last month that I did my first paper cutter. Wow. Yeah. What a big year for you to go from like not having any real practice to feeling like the pull to come into the studio and spending some better part of a year there not quite knowing what was going to happen, but trusting the process, your encounter with this medium for the first time. And I love the way you described that it was the first time you felt like the end result was something at least close or comparable to what you envision. Like, I think that's such a, that's such a, a challenge. It's not quite the word, but in like all art forms is as we get better at our forms or find the exact kind of right fit in the genre or in the medium where you're like, ah, I'm able to get across however crudely, like the buffer goes away. You know what I mean? Between you and what you're actually trying to express when you kind of find your right place. I love that. Mm -hmm. What struggles do you face now as an artist, either external struggles or internal? Yeah. I mean, I feel like internal, I could probably talk about for days. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so many internal struggles. I think, you know, externally, um, externally, I think I've been feeling the pressure a little bit more recently. And I think some of that has to do with this, um, I don't know, a pressure to create and create quickly. I think, Um, you know, some of that having to do with Instagram or sort of like what's portrayed or now with like reels or TikTok, where like not only are you needing to sort of create this like static image, but now it has to be like a movie or something where it's like you're showing the process or the um the time it takes to make something. And I think, you know, especially with my work and the paper cutting, you know, everything I do is hand cut. Um and so even a small piece will take about four to six hours. And I'm not doing that even in one sitting, you know, like sometimes it could take me a week or two. And so um, there is a pressure to feel like I need to be doing it faster or doing more or something like that. But um, yeah, 
So I've been feeling that a lot recently, especially with um, an upcoming show that I have and also just feeling a little bit of a block and then feeling that added pressure. But uh, I'll I'll work through it. (laughs) Yeah. What do your blocks feel like and how have you worked through them? Um. I think the blocks for me, I think I I can overthink a lot or get caught up in thinking, not even necessarily overthinking. I think sometimes I just get caught up in the thinking part of it. Um, And so I I don't know that I would use the word block necessarily, but I think it does sort of prevent me from getting started. (laughs) Um, And uh and I think actually in something I'm trying to do for this show is, is, um, is a, a new approach, I guess, or just, I think for me, like moving through things like that is just a lot of, um, self-compassion and just doing the work really. And so what I'm trying to do now, which is kind of new for me is I usually like for a show, sometimes I'll have like a thesis I'm thinking about and then try to put, build a show around this, this larger question I have. But for this upcoming show, I'm trying to take an approach of just making a ton of work and then at the end of it, basically looking at everything and then seeing what sort of common threads arise or, um, yeah, I'm just trying to see if that's, if that works out. How's it working out so far? It's, it's going. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely been easier to make work trying to... Mm take the pressure off of it needing to fit within a certain parameter. Because if I end up making a piece of work and it doesn't necessarily quote unquote fit with the show, then I'll just have it for something else. That makes sense. I w- I'm very interested in what you mentioned about your previous methods around making work to explore a question. I'd love to hear more about what that looks like in your work. What What popped into my mind was I had taken a a writing workshop from the memoirist Molly Weisenberg, whose work I love. And the class was excellent. And she talked about writing not as a way of sharing the answer you already know, but as a process through which you find the answer to the questions that sort of haunt you and keep you up at night. And so with that, I I took that from the workshop and I've kind of been ruminating on that ever since because I think for me at least, feeling like I didn't have the answer yet prevented me for a long time from doing work that I wanted to do. But it felt very freeing to feel like, oh, I just need to have the question and then I can start. (laughs) I'm really curious how that has felt for you and how that how that shows up in paper cutting or in visual arts in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately for me, paper cutting is a way to sit still sit still and to have time to think about these questions, right? Because I think, at least for me, I'm a person that likes to stay busy and have things to do and find tasks very satisfying. Like, it's just, it's great. You have a thing and it's done, check, you know? And it's like, that's very comforting for me. Um, And so paper cutting has been a practice for me and sort of just being able to sit still and sort of sit with the uncomfortable questions, right? And um, I don't know, like things I ruminate on kind of change, but I think a general, like an overall sort of 
thread that I think a lot about is just sort of the idea of like one's journey in life and sort of what are sort of these moments of tension or places of conflict or things that feel like choices and um, thinking about the, the questions, right? I think the objects or maybe where they are in relation to each other or whatever kind of symbolize different things for me or sort of where I'm at. For a while, I was doing like a lot of um, waves or things of like oceans and stuff. And um, the first time I sort of did that series, it was at a time when I felt like a lot of anxiety and sort of um, just ambiguity of sort of where things were going in life. It was a time when my mother had been diagnosed with cancer and um, she's okay now. But at that time, I just, I I needed to sort of express kind of feeling that sense of like floating adrift, right? Or feeling sort of unmoored. And so I think in those paper cuts, um, there was sort of the physical manifestation of like uh, an ocean scene or something like that or feeling adrift. But I think through that process of sitting, sitting there and actually cutting and removing those pieces, I had the time to think about like, what that meant for me or sort of, um, I don't know. Is that a good answer? Oh my God. So good. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so beautiful, B. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, with paper too, I think for me as a medium, it's just, there's, it's very symbolic too, right? Because um, I work with just a single sheet of paper, not necessarily in layers. And so essentially what it feels like is sort of like working with the idea of like a presence and an absence of something, right? So either the paper is there or it's not there. And so part of like the paper cutting and like cutting a shape and removing it is sort of this feeling of like extraction or like distillation. And so you have like a sheet of black paper in front of you or like some sort of question or something that's ambiguous and you're sort of like removing parts of it until you have the image something like that that's sort whoa. of whoa <laughs> whoa that's sort of what it feels like to me as a practice yeah wow that really just struck me oh gosh i got to sit with that you you said it's oh i'm not going to paraphrase it you said it so beautifully wow Thank you. That's so amazing. What a beautiful spiritual practice, like for life to be able to say, I can come to something that where the answer is not perfectly laid out and just pick away the parts that are not going to work for me in this situation. And what's, what is left is literally art. Uh, I love that so much. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, at the end of these processes, I don't necessarily have an answer, but I <laughs> just, you know. It's never over. Know. You know, like it's layers and layers and layers of just extracting and revisiting and learning and sitting back down again. Like this leads me perfectly into the next question I wanted to ask you, which is like, do you have any sort of personal practices or personal beliefs or you know, mantras or idioms that you, you abide by that have helped you in your creative work? Um, 
That's a good question. I, I mean, if I do, I don't know if it's anything explicit. Something I do that that does help me is like I have sort of like a routine of of order in which I sort of do things like every time I go to the studio. And so I think there is a value in sort of setting up and you know the container, if you will, or like um being prepared in a way. And so, you know, there's an order in which I'll like turn on the lights, change my shoes, turn the lights on, you know, maybe do a little bit of cleaning or tidying and then just like get to work. You know, it's not like a long ritual, but I'll do that every single time I go into the studio without fail. I also, I don't know, I try to, sounds a little like, like (laughs) out there, but like, I don't know, like respect creativity or the art. And so there are ways in which like, sometimes I'll actually like get dressed up to go to the studio, you know, or something. I'm pubbing my hands. No one can see it but you. (laughs) I love that. Yes. It's a date. It's a date. Yeah. And trying to actually show up and be like, okay, I'm here. Like, let's see what happens. Um, I love it so much. Yeah. And then mostly just doing the work, which is something I still struggle with. It's just like the un... I don't know, like the unromantic, unsexy part of an artist where it's like you do the work, you just sit down and do it, even if it's terrible. (laughs) So true. And that's not why we're here, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you could give Bianca from 2011 or even 2010 one piece of advice from now, what would you tell her? So I have pretty vivid dreams. And... um. I recall one in which I was at, I was inside my art studio and the artist, South African artist, William Kentridge, um, whose work I greatly admire was there with me. And in this dream, we were sort of pacing around the studio and then he stops at like the blue bookcase and there's like a book kind of on a display at the top and he grabs it, you know, takes it. And it's a book of his, and it was a book that he had illustrated and someone else had written the words to. And he picked it up and turned to me and he said, you know, I hated the work I did in here, but I truly loved the story. And just because there's one bad part, it doesn't make the whole piece bad. And so I guess my advice would be around acceptance of the bad parts. I'll just leave it at that. What a beautiful dream. Of course you have these vivid dreams. You're a visual artist and you're such you're such a symbol thinker. You, your work is so full of metaphor. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you have really vivid narrative dreams. All right, Bianca, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Oh, thank you. Incredible. I have so much to think about and I know that this one's definitely going to be a favorite. This is definitely a favorite. So where can we find you and your work? Yeah, you can find out about upcoming events um, and more about my work on my website at BiancaLeeVan.com. And I have an upcoming show at the Analog Gallery in San Francisco with an illustrator, Nora Aoyagi, from April 15th to May 7th. Fantastic. B, thank you so much for being on the show. This has meant so much to me and it's been so lovely to hear so much more about your creative process. Thanks for having me. I'll see you soon. Bye. (laughs) 
Thank you for walking this creative path with me. I'm so grateful to be learning with you. If you like the show, I'd love for you to share it with a fellow creative. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. For more day-to-day support and inspiration, join our creative community on Instagram at beautiful underscore possibility. The show is hosted by me, Jillian Jacob Kieser, and edited by Abby Circatella. The theme music is from Candelion. Until next time, just keep going.